Welcome to Take Two Radio. We are pleased to bring you interviews with people in the entertainment and music industry, discussions and recaps of the four remaining daytime soaps, that's The Bold and the Beautiful, The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, and Days of Our Lives, as well as various other shows. For upcoming and previous shows, check Take2Radio.com, that's with the number two, and you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and other streaming apps. Follow us on social media at Take2Radio, and thanks for listening. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Take Two Radio. I'm your host this evening, Anthony, and I'm joined by the incomparable David. The How are you, everybody? Wonderful. Carolyn. Hi, everybody. And always fun to be with Casey. Hello, this, hello, hello. This evening, we have a very special guest with us. She really needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. You might know her from Passions, where she was fiery and a little magical and definitely a schemer. You might remember her from The Bold and Beautiful, where she was fiery. Maybe not so magical, but definitely a schemer. Or you might know her as the iconic Tina Lord Roberts from One Life to Live. That iconic moment when she went over the falls or stumbled into Cord's wedding. But you also might know her from her newest project, Rocking the Couch, a documentary focusing on the Me Too movement. It's raw, it's powerful, and if you haven't seen it, you need to get on your devices, your televisions, and take a look. I, of course, am talking about the incomparable icon, Ms. Andrea Evans. Welcome. Hey. Hi, everybody. Hi. Thank you for coming this evening. (laughs) How are all you guys? Wonderful. How are you? Now that you're here. Wonderful. (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm happy to be with you. How's the weather where you are? How's the weather where I am? Well, I'm in Southern California, and it's sunny. (laughs) Big surprise. Before we jump into the interview, I would like to just send a shout-out to Pam, our faithful leader who is in the heart of the country facing some storms. She really wanted to be here, but I have her questions for you. And let's start out with, um, why don't you give us your tagline for the documentary? My tagline for the documentary? Um, Well, uh, we, we feature a quote. And it's funny, it's a quote that's been given to Winston Churchill, I think Albert Einstein, I don't we don't even know where it comes from, but those who do not learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> so we always start on our celebrity interviews with what brought you to the business? Um, if you can tell us what brought you to acting and then what brought you to this project. Oh, gosh. Um brought me to acting. Well, you know, it's, it's really pretty much the acting is the only job I've really ever had. Um, I started when I was 10. And um, uh, for those of have followed me on One Life to Live for a long time, you know that uh, Tina and I were, you know, teenagers and we grew up together. And um, I just knew I always wanted to do it. And your second question was what, what brought me to the documentary? Yeah. 
Um, well, it's interesting because, you know, um, I was having coffee with my, one of my very best friends who happens to be the other executive producer and director of this documentary. And he's a director I worked with on a film I did about eight years ago called Hit List. Um, and um, we were, it was right in the middle of the whole Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby stuff. And we kind of turned to each other and said, somebody's going to make a great documentary about this. And then we just looked at each other and we're like, okay, let's do this. So we did. You know, this, this is from Pam. This, um, this documentary is very powerful for women, of course, but not just women. Can you speak a little bit to what the end motivations were and how you feel it will affect anyone in the business and anyone in real life? What, what my motivations were for doing it, you mean? Yeah. Um, well, obviously I am a woman in the entertainment industry, um, and um, sexual abuse and harassment has very, been very prevalent and blatant within the entertainment industry. Not that it isn't prevalent in probably every other industry that there is, um, but this is the only industry I know, and it's also the only industry I know where there's an actual term for it, being the casting couch, hence the, hence the title of the documentary, Rocking the Couch. But um, it was just very important for us to tell the story. What we saw was the truth of it. I think with the Harvey Weinstein thing and stuff, you got caught up with a lot of A-listers, A-listers giving their story, where in reality I think the largest amount of people who are sexually abused and harassed are those people who just come to town, are those people who are just trying to get a foot into the business, you know, and, and those are the people that are most affected. So we wanted to feature a lot of those stories and, um, and just tell the truth of how it is and also the fact that, you know, everybody knew what was going on. When you heard these A-listers saying after Harvey Weinstein that they had no idea, they're lying. Everybody knew. We all saw it. Everybody knew it. It was very prevalent. What do you think was the catalyst for so many people coming out and standing up the time it just sort of started to snowball. What do you think was the, the original catalyst? Well, I think there's been a societal shift and I think maybe it started with the whole um, scandal of the Catholic churches um, with the priests and the young boys and all this. But I think there's been a, a seismic shift where as a society, we're actually now starting to listen to the victims it very much used to be for millennium. If, if you, I mean, they even had the phrase cried rape. I mean, you don't, there's no phrase for cried thievery or cried burglary or whatever, but there was always cry rape. Like that people that, that said things like this happened were, were just making it up. And so society didn't really listen to them. These people were put on trial more than the actual perpetrators of the crime. So I think there's been a societal shift, and we're, we're now actually listening to the victims. And they, they need to be heard for themselves and for everybody else and, and to learn to protect yourself. Absolutely. Have you gotten – what kind of feedback have you gotten from women who have viewed the documentary and may have had incidents in their own past? Oh, we've gotten wonderful feedback from people and, um, and, and great reviews. If you go to Amazon Prime, you can see we, we've gotten some really, really great reviews. And, um, and I know a lot of the women that are featured in our documentary, we're so happy to be able to speak. We're so happy to be able to tell their, these secrets that they've been 
holding in all these years. And I think that speaks to a lot of women and probably men out there too. We don't want to not say that this happens to men. It does. And I think in Hollywood it's also very prevalent amongst the um, gay population, Um, you know, and, um, you know, everybody is affected by this. This is, you'd be hard pressed to find a woman in your life that has not experienced some kind of sexual harassment. I've seen a couple of comments online. There's another pretty famous documentary at the moment. I won't mention any names, but I've seen a couple Mm -hmm. of comparisons um, comments that basically state the difference for the 15-minute syndrome versus someone really telling their raw emotional story. Did, was, mm-hmm. was there at any point where you had to dial anyone back? Um, and if, you know, if so or if not, how did you bring that, you know, how did you go home and turn that off? Because it is, it is very gut-wrenching and dark. Well, we didn't have to turn anybody off or tell them to dial it back. But I have to tell you, it was very difficult to listen to. It was, um, and I was present for every interview that you see on screen because I I wanted to be there. Um, I wanted to, um, as the only female producer. I mean, there were there were two segments done in Florida that I was not there for. I should say, but for everything I could, I wanted to be there. Um, because I wanted the women being interviewed to feel more comfortable with another woman in the in the room, somebody that could empathize with them. And it was very hard at times to be strong for them because it was so difficult to hear the stories um, and see how it affected them. And, you know, these women are heroes. They're heroes for coming forward and telling their truth. And um, hopefully some good will come from it. I have two more of my own personal questions, and then I'm going to pass okay. it off to David. Um, okay. We all, all of us that are fans know that you had some dark periods in your life. When you approached the project, yes. did, was this cathartic for you? Did it give you more a sense of closure or pushing forward based upon what you've been through? Uh, well, I, I assume you're referring to the stalking incidences and, um, Yes, because those are also crimes of, I mean, somehow they're kind of all connected, although not entirely. And um, what was therapeutic for me was maybe at least attempting to help other women, not in the exact same situation, but to help other women, you know, it was very therapeutic for me. It it was. And I hope people that see the documentary will continue to be helped. Awesome. Now I'm going to bring it to soaps. And before I ask my question, okay. I'm just going to say thank you. I started watching when I was three years old at the foot of my grandma. And Tina was the first character that I was going to grow up and marry her. I didn't realize that there was a person Aww. behind Tina for quite a few years. But there was something so <laughs> gripping about the, the emotion, the raw vulnerability that you put into that character uh, that so I just want to thank you for for my introduction into the soap world. Um, having oh, said you. that, there's a lot of buzz going on about possible reboots for the two ABC shows. Where do you think Tina might be, and would you be interested in picking back up to see where Tina is now if something like that does go through? You know, I, it's funny. 
funny. I was talking to my daughter because I saw online, you know, fans writing about this, and I thought it was just kind of like fan wishful thinking or something. I didn't, I, I didn't think there was anything really behind it. Then I saw the articles where the people at ABC were really, really talking about this, and I remember at the time when they won the rights from uh, Prospect Park, I remember thinking, well, there's some reason they're fighting for these rights. I, I don't know what's going to happen with it, but they're fighting pretty hard to get this back. So. Um, that doesn't entirely surprise me. And also, we've seen a reboot of everything, you know, um, so why not these shows? Um, I, I, I personally would love to do Tina again. Tina is very close to my heart. Where she would be is probably in trouble somewhere. <laughs> that would be my best guess, is she is in trouble as we speak. <laughs> Not in Argentina, though. <laughs> well, you never know. She may have gone back. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm going to turn it over to David. Okay. Thank you, Anthony. Andrea, um, mm-hmm. in in the documentary, they have the, the police have actually defined sexual harassment and sexual battery in two different terms. How do you feel that the definitions have protected women both in and out of the business? Wow. Well, you know, I have to tell you something funny about the definitions. And we had our criminal defense lawyer on there saying what the definitions are. And to this day, even though I helped you know watch the editing i've seen this documentary a million times i still get them confused you know um the terms and i think as a society we all use them in you know we willy-nilly you know we use one for meaning the other and it gets very very confusing um i don't know what you mean by how the terms have helped women i'm, I'm a little confused by that question Do you, th- do you think that now that those um, words have been more defined, that they help them more or because it can help put away the perpetrators more at once? Because back no, way think- back when it wa- really wasn't, you know, anything. I think maybe that's how they got away with it more because there wasn't much to... They couldn't define it back then, but more so today, now. Right, well, there's... I think, yeah, I think knowledge is power, however you want to put it. And I think if a woman knows exactly what happened to her, exactly, or a man, again, I have to say men too, we don't want to leave you guys out, um, although you'd probably like to be left out of this particular part. But, Amen. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think any kind of knowledge is power. And if you, and the reason we included somebody explaining the definitions was in part to protect yourself so that you know. And, you know, heaven forbid something happened to you, this way you can, you can label it. You know what it is. Um, you, you can choose to go to the police. You can, you know, choose to take action however you wish. But it's always more powerful to have that knowledge in your pocket. So hopefully, hopefully. It helps women. Yeah, I and hopefully I answered agree. your question. Yes, you have. On on a more lighter note for you, 
Um, Mother's Day is just around the corner, and not everybody knows, uh, I'm sure, I know, not everybody knows, uh, it sort of holds a special meaning to you, which I, I looked it up, would you mind, what does it, what does Mother's Day mean to you and your family in particular? Well, my daughter was born on Mother's Day, so I'm assuming that's what you're referring to. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, what's odd about that is I was also born on Father's Day. Oh, so, wow. Oh, wow. I know. So, <laughs> and, um, no, I could not have asked for a better Mother's Day present. You know, I, I became a mother. I wanted to be a mother for a long, long time. And when she came into my life, she changed everything. She is the light of my life. I adore her. And I just worship the ground her her feet walk on. She's, like I said, she's the light of my life. And now I get to celebrate it every Mother's Day. That's How old is she now? She's 14. She will be 15 this year. God bless you. Does she go online and look at your past stuff? Does she? Um, some of it. There's some stuff she still hasn't. You know what's funny is when she was when she was a baby, she she was really colicky. I could not get her to sleep. But you know, what used to put her to sleep. I'd go on <laughs> um, YouTube and find episodes of the Bold and the Beautiful in different languages because somehow she got a kick out of looking at me and hearing me speaking these other languages, and it would always calm her down. That is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn, say hi to yeah, Andrea. You gotta do it. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> Carolyn, it's your turn. Oh, okay. Um, uh, one of my questions was uh, going to be about how you got involved with the documentary, and that's um, we've, we've covered that. Um, mm-hmm. And while we're on the uh, subject of your daughter, um, has has she seen the documentary, or how have you presented some of the issues for her? You know, going out into because, like you said, it's not just your industry; it's it happens in in every industry. So, how have right. you handled um, that with the fourteen-year-old well, daughter? Well, Good question. My daughter. My daughter has a beautiful singing voice. In fact, she just got paid for her first um, session work in a recording studio. She wants to oh, sing. Oh, wonderful. Um, oh, wow. so she wants to go into the in- entertainment industry. And um, knowing this, I debated whether or not I wanted to see it, her to see it or not. And she happened to be home for a couple days um, when we were shooting. And she asked to come with. So I debated it. And then I decided it would be better for her to, to see it and to hear it. Because you have to, in order to protect yourself from something, you have to know what it is you're protecting yourself from. You know, and um, so I decided that not only should she see it, she actually worked as a, as a production assistant on the project for a couple of days. She was a stand-in oh. and did displays. And so she was there for two full days um, hearing everything and uh, um, hopefully it will help protect her in the future very good mm. do you have another question Carolyn 
Um, well, I want. I, I would like to know. <laughs> now that we've covered um, your past um, thing, things in your past, where mm-hmm. have you drawn? Where have you drawn your strength from? Um, where have I drawn my strength from? Well, I'm. I'm definitely a person of faith. So I guess okay. a lot of strength from my faith. I do. And um, my mother was a huge source of strength for me. Um, unfortunately, she passed away four years ago. But I always said that my mother gave me life twice. She gave me life when she gave birth to me. And she gave me life during the whole stalking incident because she was always there for me. Well, wonderful. Wow. We also have Casey Stephen Hutchinson, and I know he is chomping at the bit to talk to you as well. Casey, <laughs> take it away. Well, first of all, I have to say, you know, everybody knew you, I think, on this panel as Tina first, but in my house was the young and the restless. So we knew you <laughs> and Patty Williams first. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so, um, my question for you is from passion to Y&R to One Life to B&B how has the daytime soap genre impacted your personal and professional life how has the daytime genre affected my personal and professional life yes um well it's been a huge part of my professional life um it's um and it's been a wonderful part um, I think it's only impacted me professionally and personally in in positive ways. You know, I um, I'm very proud of my work in daytime, and um, I'm proud of my other work too. I mean, I've done I think 13 films. I've done all kinds of different things too. But um, daytime's a very special place. As a performer, I like the fact that um, there's very little editing. So pretty much what you see. Us, what you saw on your screen was what we did. It's not that somebody put it and edited it together. Editing is such an important part of filmmaking that, you know, you, you easily get cut out of films. I mean, I cut myself out of this film, actually. Um, so, um, and I've been cut out of several other films. You know, it, it happens all the time. You really have no control over what comes out on the screen as an actor in a film to many, in many ways. So, but they tell mm-hmm. you have a lot of control. So now um, I do have a question about your amazing, emotional, impactful documentary, of course. Um, so how do you think Rocking the Couch um, will impact the Me Too movement? Um, how do you think your beautifully made documentary will find its place in the movement? Well, um, it is definitely um, part, I think, of the spirit of the Me Too movement. I um, I would like to think that we are part of it. I would like to think that we will be embraced by the movement because um, I do think that's important. And I think the whole fact that there exists a movement called the Me Too movement tells you a lot, and it's about, you know, people – telling their stories. It happened to them, too. That's what it's about, and that's what our documentary is about, too, as well as, um, 
I don't think we went into it in depth, but our documentary features a uh, an actual uh, trial of a man who sexually assaulted 12 actresses and these brave actresses that came forward, but somehow nobody seems to have heard of this case and how maybe maybe if there had been a Me Too movement back in the 1990s when this happened, people would have heard of it and maybe we wouldn't have had your Harvey Weinsteins. You know, we wouldn't have had these situations. Maybe people would have learned, which is what brings us to the tagline, that those who do not learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Amen. Well, um, before I turn it back over to our host, I just want to say thank you for decades of daytime entertainment making this beautiful documentary um, that will really continue to shine a light on the Me Too movement. And thanks for just being a wonderful person for the entertainment industry. Oh, thank you so much. And, and may I also, I should give a plug to a show I worked on this year that I really enjoyed, The Bay, which is on Amazon Prime as yeah. well. So I hope, I hope people will turn in there and watch uh, The Bay as well. We love The Bay. Love <laughs> we promote it all oh, here. <laughs> can, I, can I ask you, there's a anti-Me Too movement as well. They're um, maybe not as um, respected, but definitely they're trying to promote the fact that there's an expiration date. Like if it's happened to you, if you haven't spoke up by now, leave it alone. Um, could you speak a, a moment to that and, and what you'd have to say to that thought process? Well, I think, you know, uh, I, I don't think there's a time limit to having been a victim and having, you know, this impact your life. Um, and I think it has impacted impacted all these people's lives um, and they have a right to tell their story um, and you know I, ju- I also just watched another documentary which is uh, very much in the news these days Leaving Neverland and I was so touched by the young men talking in the documentary and who were really who seemed so completely sincere and and I mean, I'm not a big crier, and and I, I was crying to hear them tell their stories. And even yeah. though these happened when they were little boys, um, it was so clear how much it had impacted their life and how how they needed to talk about it. And and I think that's what you see in our documentary too. You see brave women who came forward because they had to talk about it, and they were so happy to have someone ask them. Um, and also even the case I brought up that where there was an actual trial, the people involved in the trial were like, oh, my gosh, you're the first person who's called us. They were so surprised that nobody had wanted to hear their stories. Wow. Well, tell our listeners where they can find Rocking the Couch and to well, leave back as much feedback Rocky. as they can. <laughs> Absolutely. Please. Watch Rocking the Couch. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, and please leave us a review. Tell us what you think about it. Because um, we're actually planning another documentary as we speak. So we will listen to uh-huh. what you have to say. And, and um, hopefully that will be very helpful. And also turn into the bay, too. Which is also <laughs> <Yeah>. on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Can we go back to and your soap history for a couple of minutes before we let you go? Sure. Of course. Super, couple, super couples are, you know, a prime draw for the soap world. 
Can you tell us mm-hmm. what you remember about being part of Cord and Tina and that rise to super couple status? Um, I don't know why on screen sometimes you have certain chemistry with certain people. I know John and I were always good friends. Um, oddly enough, John and I, it turns out, grew up about 20 minutes from each other, and we think actually competed against each other in a speech contest in high school. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> But didn't know each other then. Um, well, we both came from the Midwest. We both had, you know, similar backgrounds that way. And um, on screen, we just seemed to have a really, really good chemistry that came across that way. And it's always wonderful. You know, it's always good to have a relationship with another actor that, that's like that, where things seem to flow, things seem to work really, really well, that you're not fighting with constantly to get some kind of, make it look like you get along (laughs) and things like that. Because we really did. He's a really lovely man. Um, And um, we got along very well. And hopefully if they, if they do decide to reboot one life to live, that uh, John will come out of retirement and come, uh, come join us. Did you guys know at the time how big you really were? Um. I think I did. I I don't know um, if John did or not. I don't know. Um, I was doing so much press and so much other stuff at the time because of One Life to Live. Um, I will always be grateful for One Life to Live because it gave me a career. It it gave me a career that I still have, that I'm still going on. And in many ways, I totally owe that to One Life to Live. And it was um, the time we were doing it, it was truly kind of the golden age of soaps. Um, and um, it was just a wonderful experience. I have no complaints, no regrets. I have one more personal question. Did you ever wish sure. that you could do a, dis- a DID storyline alongside Erica? <laughs> <laughs> it would have been fun, and, you know, heaven knows, maybe we'll do that on a reboot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That would be... That would be a lot of fun. I would have enjoyed that. Guys, anybody else have any um, final questions for Andrea? I I have one, um, Andrea. Mm-hmm. On the uh, documentary, what is the um, is it listed under? And are because I know there's awards for documentaries and things like that. Like, what category it w- would it be under? And do you know if it, it would be a docu- will be up for? It would be. A- it would be a documentary feature. Um, okay. okay. And who who knows? Maybe we'll get nominated for some things this year. Who the heck knows? But it would that would be lovely. But we really did it for to be a cautionary tale and to tell people about sexual abuse and harassment in Hollywood and try to make it as real as we could. Well, it's a story that has to be told, needs to be told, and uh, needs to get out there. Is there anything we can do? Is there any Twitter feeds or Facebook feeds that we can go on that you know of at the moment? Yeah, you can look up up Rocking the Couch on Facebook. We have a page there. Um, You can certainly tweet me. Just just spread the word. And, um, again, I, I ask people to watch and let me know you watch. Send me a review. Let me know what you think. Um, we'd love to hear it because, as I said, we're we're starting work on another one. Okay, and what is it? Can you tell us what the other one is going to be on? 
Not yet, but once we do okay. it, I'd love to come on and talk to you about it again. So, oh, we'd love to have you <laughs> great. Back. Well, we'll do our we'll do our best to get this uh, the word out because it's. Um, Thank you. Yes, I had a I had a my story is I had an 87 year old sister that passed four years ago, and three or four days before I spoke to her, she she just mentioned she had mentioned it over the years, but it was with her basically till the day she died and it was it, it, it always stays with, with you so back to the comment you know it needs to be told and people need to share their their stories they need very to. important yeah they do I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that and but yeah it's true and I really don't think and I think um, again not to leave men out because it does happen to men but Probably every woman you know has had some degree of some of this happen to her, even if it's just being whistled at on the street when you don't want to be, you know, when you want to be left alone. Um, It's so prevalent in the way people have looked at women throughout the past. So, you know, it's good to hear the stories, and um, hopefully we can help make the situation better. So spread the word. The, the piece was very raw, and I think most of the Me Too with the with Bill Cosby and with Firestein, it's been sensationalized, and people are sitting on the edge mm-hmm. of their couch waiting for the next juicy detail. And right, rocking the couch really showed the impact on on you know regular people, you know, and yeah. and that when someone like yourself who has beauty brains and incredible talent and an incredible career comes out and says, but I want to know your story and I want to mm-hmm. help. I want to help you release your pain. It's just another light for that person who's still sitting in the dark and scared to open the door. The presentation thank you. was very, very well done from a different perspective. Thank you. It was excellent. Excellent. Excellent and we wanted film. it from a different perspective. Perspective. We wanted it to look different. We wanted it to be different, and we wanted to tell the truth about it. You yeah. know, and yeah. let people. You know, because I do think it was just kind of people think, oh well, if we prosecute Harvey Weinstein, well, that's all going to stop. Well, no, mm-hmm. it's so prevalent. No. You know, yeah. and you have to know that. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, you're welcome. Great interview. Welcome. Great interview. Yep. Yeah. David, any well, final thoughts, Casey? Just, uh, um, just I was, I, oh, I, my eyes were open pretty wide. I, I don't think I've enjoyed a documentary so much with so much information. I think, I think the best part that had, that I enjoyed, is when the detective came out and went undercover, and oh, yeah. did that mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Yeah, and how, how she was so scared. Yes, yeah. she yeah. was so scared um, that her her backup wouldn't be there in time for her. Yeah, and I think that tells you a lot because she's a trained professional in this yeah. kind of situation. She was and she was scared. And, yeah, and to yeah. some degree, she became a victim too. And I think that was very powerful. And she's she's I think the the hero of our story, you know, because. She stepped up and put herself at risk to help other women when our own unions and everybody would not. So, you know, she, she's a hero. 
Stacey? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to um, say as a final thought here that I urge everybody to watch this documentary, not just to shine a light on the Me Too movement, but to shine a light on the real world, because this is something that happens every second of every day. And Andrea, like I said earlier, you made a beautiful documentary with all these wonderful people. So please go and see it. It will honestly, I think, blow everybody away, and they will love it. Oh, thank you so much. And I really appreciate being able to come here and talk to you guys. So I look forward to doing it again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to come speak to us. And whenever you have a project, let us know. We'd love to have you. Again, guys, you can find it on Amazon. (laughs) And um, Andrea, I really hope to see you on ABC in the next year. And I can't (laughs) wait for your next project. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming this evening. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Good night. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Carolyn, if I can ask you, um, being our queen for the evening, or at least the only (laughs) official one, um, (laughs) I was going to say, you shared shared something very personal at the very end there. And um, David... Casey, myself, and every other person that walks around with mandanglies will never truly be able to feel the same way that you do. Um, We can empathize and we can try our best to understand, but between what you shared and what you watched in the documentary, can you tell us what, what you felt, how you feel now, having spoken to her? Well, as a mother of two daughters... And I have always told them from when they were little girls, um, you really have to be tough. You have to be stronger. And if you're touched inappropriately or there's something that you don't like, whether it's said or done, you just have to not, they're not tomboys. They, they weren't rough and tough and whatever, but I think that's, that's got them through. And as teenagers, I talked all the time after school and, you know, things that were going on. So it's keeping the lines of communication open. I mean, I'm a lot older than, than you guys, and years ago it wasn't talked about. That was, you know, what are you talking about? I mean, I had girlfriends, and I was just, you know, um, I'd go home and tell my mother, oh, no, we can't talk about that. No, 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 don't be. So I always said to my girls, you have to, there isn't anything that you can that you should be embarrassed about. There isn't anything that, that you did just, you know, keep the line of communication open. So I was fortunate because my daughters, everything, they never had any problems. But I know a lot of friends, a lot of girls I went to school with. And even now, even now I hear stories. And I'm, I say, oh, I can't believe this. But it's it's good that it's it's open. People are more open, which I think is good. I know um, it was mentioned quite a few times, um, and it's absolutely true. It happens to men as well. Um, there are women predators out there, even though they're at a much lower rate than male predators, that there are women predators out there. And um, unfortunately, there are male predators who, um, I don't talk about it much, but when I was first coming out, I was victimized in a very um, horrible way. And 
at that time also, you didn't, you know, you didn't talk about it. You, it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah. And, you know, I think anybody listening tonight, if you ever know someone or you yourself are someone, it's always, it's always cathartic to talk to someone, anyone um, that's empathetic and will, willing to listen. And go take a look at this documentary because I, I, I watched it in three stages. It, I, I had to turn it off. And then I went back and then I had to turn it off again. Oh, it's, it was a lot, a lot to take in. On, on another thing is what upsets me is the authority figures. And I don't want to bash Florida, but there's a, a, something on TV every week. If it isn't a teacher, it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a male nurse. I'm, I'm just, I'm sitting there looking at the TV and I cannot believe this. These are people you're supposed to look up to. These are authority figures, and that's the scary part. I think the thing that bothers me, secondary the most, let's say to the Finding Neverland and the Bill Cosby surrounding issue and the fire scene, is that there are so many people that are involved in the cover-up, we'll call it for lack of a better way of putting it, that don't bear any consequences. I mean, between them and their, whatever their, their God of choice is, I'm sure at some point they're going to have to look in the mirror and, and pay consequences inside their own soul. But I think, I think more of us need to speak up and say, hey, so many people stayed silent or so many people, you know, opened the cab door, shoved the girl in and paid the, the tab and said this never happened. And why yeah. aren't they being held somewhat accountable? Accountable. And then they're coming out now with, well, they were abused. The abusers were abused, so we're going to, you know, kind of look the other way. Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> I can't stomach that either. Yeah. No, no. Well, this was definitely a very uh, enlightening and emotional conversation. But we're here about our soaps, and I think we will say thank you so much again, Andrea, for coming on. You're brave and wonderful and a fire plug and the best redheaded goddess ever to grace daytime. <laughs> well, and we will go to... Gets the you know, gets the, um, the acknowledgement that, that, that it really it really needs. So it's, you know, maybe it just might be a, a silent, you know, just and then just keep, just keep it out there. Keep the word out there. Yeah, and like we say, with with all the projects that come on, please comment and then go one step further and share it. Post it. That's right. (laughs) Comment and share. Um, So let's go to Salem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, you guys know tomorrow are the last airing scenes of Tyler Christopher. Oh. Um, Yeah. I was really expecting him to go sooner because maybe I misunderstood it, but I remember I asked you when Brandon started, and you said January, and maybe we both got mixed up with what the actual question was. <laughs> so, you know, when I broke the story initially on my soap type that um, Tyler was going to be gone for good and Brandon was taking over permanently um, as long as they want to keep Stefan on. 
I began to think about Tyler Christopher's run as Stefan. And I have to say, you know, the character started out very good. It was the shock of the new year, blah, 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 blah. And then the character started flat for me. But then the past three, four months, the characters really picked back up with the chemistry Mm -hmm. with Camila Benoos and Nadia Bjorlin. And now it's just sad to see Tyler go um, for personal reasons. But I know that Brandon will bring, you know, a lot of fire to that role. Brandon's got great chemistry with leading. Like, um, and I'm interested to see Brandon with Camila. I wonder yes. how that's going to be. Um, because, you know, I loved Brandon with participants. Um, uh, uh, Laura Wright on GH. So I'm interested to see how his chemistry would be with Camilla. And I would say not because we know she's as well. Um, so we'll see. I'm very interested. I want to well, say. Was Tyler's run supposed to be a short run anyway? I mean, is he not under contract or how how did that, that go down? Yeah. Put under a two-year contract. Okay. When he first came to the show, um, Brandon is there. I don't want to say it like this, but you'll know what I mean. He's there to finish out the contract, and you know, some terms. You know what I mean? It's not Tyler's contract, of course. It's a different one. But oh. Just not like well, there's so, yeah, there's so many rumors as to what went on, but he's, uh, has anyone seen the trailer for the movie that he's, that he's doing? It's quite interesting. <laughs> it does look good. I saw when our friends at Soap Opera News released it. It looks good. Yes, yes. So maybe I, think, um, he did. I don't think I didn't like the writing. I mean, I think he's fabulous, but I didn't, I, I didn't know where they were going or what they were doing. It was just like a well, kite flying you know, in the wind and, I, totally I, I want to jump in real quick and just say okay. I think um I think they missed a bunch of opportunities with Tyler yes. to focus they on did. the broader you know Chad um you know and the DID storyline the rivalry and the DID there was such amazing chemistry between him and Kate there was amazing relationship potential chemistry between him and Mary Beth Evans um. And they um, just really didn't know where yeah. to go with him. And so they just kept him in that central story and didn't explore, you know, making him, making him an integral part of the overall canvas. Um, and well, the four, the four of them, Chad, Mar- yeah, Chad, Marcy, uh, the four of them were great, but it was just, okay, and it would have been great if they were, you know, for another five years or whatever, because they were just getting kind of on a roll, and now it's, here we are. They're, they're, all, they're all gone. Yep. As I love Ace, I do have to speak to this though with Ron's writing team. Um, I think they tried to rush that too quickly. Yes. 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 Because two weeks later, people were talking about him like he had been Stefano for 30 years. You know, (laughs) Stefano did not become that by everybody in Salem for a long time. You know, Stefano originally started out as just really your run-of-the-mill Roger Thorpe out right, of right. the And then he got crazy about two, three years in. 
Um, yeah. But tried to do that with Tyler in like three weeks, and I think because of that being rushed so much, I wanted to check out because you know people were like, "Oh, Stefano's this big bad," and I'm like. What has he done? All he did was went to the Demera Mansion. Okay, calm down, Kayla. <laughs> so it was rushed for me. You know, yeah. they didn't take him time to play the beats. I feel like impacted Tyler's performance and impacted the course of the Kate and Andre. Um, so, yeah, it was too rushed. Way yeah. too rushed. And you all know. disjointed. I mean, they just right. really could get... Yeah. <clears throat> Lightning in a bottle only happens a few times a decade in, in each soap. And yeah. if you take a look at something like Eileen Davidson, you know, who was Kristen. And then, of course, yeah. Susan and all the other various uh, incarnations. Kristen did not come out of the gate. And three weeks later, she was not so cuckoo and, you know, right. and <laughs> trying to poison Marlena. There was, yeah. you know, there was that old-fashioned buildup. Um, for months, we didn't know exactly what Kristen was, who she was, and some people thought she was a simple, beautiful, you know, unmisunderstood soul and mousy librarian-ish. And some people said, oh, there's fire there. And then all of a sudden, with the buildup, you saw little cracks, and the cracks mm. became wider and wider. And then all of a sudden, yeah. one day, you know, like Marsha Cross pulling off the wig in the mirror in Melrose Place, she just flipped <laughs> the script. And I think Tyler has the chops to have done that. Yeah. So, Ron, if you are listening, take heed because we're, you know, we pay way more attention sometimes, I think, than you give us credit for yeah. as, as fans. That's absolutely. Yeah. You, like him. No, he uh, was. You know, no, I remember no, that. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> way over. That evolved. You know, like another missed opportunity. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Lock- well, that, her down could that have been her, her idea more? No. Well, I I spoke to Louise, and I have on many occasions. Such a sweet lady. I love her so much. We just spoke not too long ago about Jed's passing. Um, but anyway, I know she, when I interviewed her, was very disappointed that they didn't give her more. She wanted more. Uh, she wanted more material um, because she was thrilled to work with Tyler. Um, she was under a head writer that to her didn't look so bad because we know that the last <laughs> run before that was awful. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> she wanted more meaty material, but I think what played into that was one, they didn't really know what to do with Stefan. I got honest I don't think they had a plan for him um, and then two um, probably a money issue as well yes Louise yeah, Terrell it's probably money yeah. <laughs> always comes down to money yeah <laughs> sad you know, to say, you, sad to say Ron brought on a lot of big names when he first came to Days and that's fine and I gotta yeah. be honest some of that is happening now Twitter, don't you come for me because you know I love Ron Keisha. Oh. Yeah, no, I, actually, I wanted to shift gears into that right now because we're we're looking at two big storylines that don't, they're not gelling well and they're not being told well. And of course, I'm talking about uh, Diana. Um, it's 
and there's oh, no yeah, Thorburn and, there and, whatsoever. And the story line, yeah, the storyline is not coming together. The timeline um, with this John and another son, and no, the timeline is just all off. Well, then here's the thing. You know, it, it was a cute nod to history. Let's move on today. Tyler Christopher, we're done with you. Pack a bag. See you later on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> Diana, to me, love that the character is back. I really do. And I love that Judith Chapman is on my screen. But honestly, first thing, I wouldn't have brought Judith back as um, Diana. I yeah. wouldn't. Um, because yeah. Francis just had a warmth about her, and I would have tried to pick somebody with the same warmth. Um, maybe, um, who was that chick who played, oh, my God, I'm forgetting her name, um, um, on Another World, Sam and the, um, Amanda, wasn't that her name? Oh, um, yeah, Amanda. I am, yeah, the I one, forgot her last Oh, that's a good one choice. Yeah. She was the bad Felicia on General Hospital. Um, but, yeah, she would have been a good choice because I would have brought – Judith, as in Judith. Um, I would have raised yeah. and all that. Um, Was that is that she, Sandra Ferguson? Does yes. that sound familiar? Yes, Sandra Fer- Ferguson. Yep, that's her. Um, so yeah, I would have done her, and I would have brought Judith back as Angelica. The second thing, um, and Carolyn or Anthony, I think it was you. The timeline is really off. Not just uh-huh. yeah, Leo. But how does Angelica, I mean, look, called her Angelica, how does Diana not know that that whole John Roman shift happened? She should have heard about that by now. It's been like 37 yeah, well, years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you would think yeah. so. Well, do you think, do you think um, Diana has changed the results? Because that, you know, that, that's what I think the end result is, you know, somebody snuck in there. And now they're blaming Leo. I don't think for, Leo is his son, is he? Oh, the, the, the DNA came back. Yeah, the DNA oh, yeah. came back. The oh, DNA yeah. Came back. He's, according to that task, he's John's son. So, and now they're so uh, with Haley. I, I still... they, they say that, yeah. <laughs> Do they not have um, um, video cameras in the in the halls of the hospital <laughs> to see people sneaking in and doing all this? And, and I think so, they think if, about if, that later. If all these people have been getting in and out of the hospital, they need to change the key card system. You well, that's know, right. To, that's right. Yeah. Injecting, uh, yeah, Marlena's uh, donuts and, oh, my God. Well, <laughs> they need security mess, badly. After this whole mess, Marlena needs to get a password on her damn computer. Okay. Why? Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Phoenix has written how many times? I don't know why she don't have a lock on her door. <laughs> Just a simple, you know, master lock. Um, um, you know, now we can use Alexa to open and close our locks. You know, yeah. she's not, you know, she's she's battled just about everything, including the devil, and she don't even have a lock on her office door. You know, yeah. And now poor, yeah, poor Haley's uh, been been arrested and. Oh, and then Claire, oh, she's, she's always oh, a problem. <laughs> you know, I'd like to float a quick question to you guys, um, and I'm going to parameter yeah. it in the days thing, because they're the ones that have taken, they're the ones that are taking the most chances in the last two to three years. Um, yes. What would, what would you guys think if 
they ran some sort of maybe partnered with GoFundMe or whatever, and the fans got to vote by giving to five, seven dollars to I mean, you know, to the character of Kristen, the character of Angelica, the character of um, Marlena's, you know, real sister, and who, whichever campaign brought in the allotted amount, they wrote that character in, and also subset the cost of bringing a big name by making it up to us who we really want to see. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't do I that know. because. I got many people from days that we can write out to clear up some budget. Um, (laughs) 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 Okay. Haley Chen, you can go girl. You're boring me. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, she is the most boring thing since Krista Khalil as Lily. She's a singer. Just go and sing. She's a a good singer. Uh, She needs to sing. (laughs) I mean, and here's the thing. I like the actress. As, like I said, you know, same thing with Crystal Khalil. No shade against those actresses because they're not boring. It's the characters. Yeah. And yeah. Haley. Yeah. And once again, we have Casey Moss with his, mm. and JJ with his blue balls, not getting to hunch anybody interesting. And so, <laughs> honestly, they can just write Haley out because from yeah. the beginning, they made Melinda her mother. And I felt like that was a missed opportunity. And, yeah, it's that whole Haley character is a mess to me. How do you guys feel about this version of Ted Laurent? I love Ted. Me too. I like Ted. And Giles, Giles, however you pronounce his name, I've loved him since Sex in the City. Because remember when he played Dante in the Sex in the City movie? Mm-hmm. And then immediately was cast on Brothers and Sisters. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I forgot about Brothers and Sisters. I love that show. Oh, Brothers and Sisters. Uh-huh. Me too. They need to reserve. They need to do a two point oh of that. Miss Sally Fields, Patriot yeah. Sally Fields. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we leave Salem, I know David's got a couple of thoughts of his own, but I definitely want to say, you know, coming from the Queen standpoint, and I will definitely wave my Queen flag <laughs> proud. I am so <laughs> darn happy that they have finally got a somewhat of a resolution to Leo, Sonny, Will, and, you know, I yeah, love finally. the play with him and Brady, but, yeah. you know, yeah, oh. it's, <laughs> yeah. As, as proud as I am to be gay, it's sort of like, okay, let the gay couple go into the back into the back halls for a while and, and do the hookup things <laughs> that they do, and let's, let's tell some, some new story. Uh, I'm glad that they're finally back together, but it's time to kind of let Leo be a regular villain and not the snarky um, little F word. I won't pronounce yes, it, of course, yes, but yeah. Well, you guys are I lucky that uh, we don't, we, you guys are lucky that we don't, we, me, we don't have the same taste in men because mm, Ted's not Ted's not my <laughs> my kind of guy. <laughs> oh, girl. I loved you up until this moment. I, I might have no, to send you a pair of glasses so you can take no a second look. Carolyn, Carolyn, have you seen the Sex in the City movie? Because if not, go to that movie. Skip about an hour and twenty minutes in to. Um, Giles Marini's shower scene in that movie 
And then Oh well, yeah, well okay, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just give her the number where she can stop it at. <laughs> the problem is I'm not that's where I don't have time I don't have time guys. I'm seventy five. I don't have time for just spectating. I like to, you know, like get right in there and <laughs> well, before David gives his final thoughts, I also, you know, we bash days a little bit this this episode uh, this episode of our show. I do want to say, Ron, kudos to the nods uh, between Rafe and Kate, and Kate and Rex. Uh, I'm so tired yes. of Rex and and Eric and Sarah. I'm sorry, oh, I like yeah. Sarah, yeah. but I'm yeah. really tired of that. But kudos to to the nods to history and paying attention in those areas. David, what are your Salem yeah. thoughts before we move on to what about L.A.? Sin? What about what about Sin? Don't don't you guys like um, Sin? Sin? Oh, Sin. <laughs> that, yeah, Sin. Yeah. Sin is um, hot. There. Yeah. So my my guess is, do you think it's reminiscent of Bow and Hope? Well, I think there's a lot of people hard, are saying but, uh, yeah, it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, you know, it is, I don't, you know, Bo wasn't murking up folks three years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, yeah, it's That's true. Yeah. It's Bo meets Todd Manning meets Patch meets, you know, uh, for, I'm sorry, but Nicholas Cassadine, you know, it's, it's got, it's, you know, it's got all those elements, and, but thankfully Robert pulls it off enough that, you know, uh, most of us are rooting for, you know, the serial murderer to, to you know, let Sierra heal him. Let Sierra soothe him. I have and God, the soothing that could be done with a boy like that. But I digress. <laughs> well, and then they bring Marlena and, Marlena and John, and they just interject them in there again. And I say, okay, we've had enough there. We've had enough. <laughs> We need somebody fresh and new, and we need a good storyline. Anthony, now that I think about it, you know, when you mentioned Todd and Blair, I started to think about it more. This is not really Bone Hope to me. This is more Todd and Blair. It you is. Know, Todd, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Even Sierra, like Blair, is kind of Marlena to me in the situation. Is Victoria Lord? Victoria, because yeah, Mar- just like Vicky tried to do with Todd, and then hope to me is Dorian, because you know Dorian used to always tell Blair, "Look, honey, I know you love him, girl, but you got you finna cut ties with him, girl. We can't be having that man in this house." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, this is La Boule. <laughs> oh, honey. Even if Ron finds a La way to work the words La Boule in when Robin Strasser is Salem, I will cream. <laughs> <laughs> Even when La Boule was decorated by Ikea on that Prospect Park reboot, Dorian did not win Todd up in her house. Yeah. <laughs> this is very Todd player, and I see a lot of one life archetype on days. Yeah. Which I'm yeah. but at the same time, oh God, people are gonna hate me when I say this. Ron is now lacking a lot of originality. There I said it I'm sorry, I have to say <laughs> I adore days you're right entitled. now and I You're entitled. I don't just, just don't hold back. 
I don't want Ron to ever leave his position as head writer of that show because he has completely rebooted it. It's becoming very one life to live ish. And with a little bit you know, of all my children thrown in. Yeah. Yeah. When I want to see my days of our lives, which I am, but I want to see the characters act like they're on days like of our days lives. Like days of our lives. Not, well, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I agree. I you agree. Know, it is back to the show except for these archetypes that have been woven in. Because yeah. we know Ron knows to do more. You know, General Hospital was very general hospital. Even when those One Life to Live characters came on, it was still general hospital. So I want yeah. to see that for Days of Our Lives, too. And I know Ron did not grow up watching Days, but he's got people on that writing team who have been there since, like, 1987. So lean yeah. on them to tell you what these archetypes are. Yeah, pay, pay Drake Hoekstein a little bit more money because he's like the, the um, librarian scholar of Days of Our Lives. <laughs> and bring him upstairs and let him write out timelines for you because, again, the, 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 the timelines that you're playing with, Ron, you know, there has not been any lost-type time shifts that we know of. Um, and if you're going to write that in, then you better make it kind of believable because, uh, yeah. But, Carlos, you know, let's jump it, on the train. Let's head out to L.A. and um, yep. let's catch up with uh, the Foresters and, and Wild Bill. And um, mm, 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 mm. am I loving me some flow? But, uh, David, why don't you start us off on this one? On this one? Picture uh, it. L.A., 2019. Baby switch. Go. Oh, give give Hope her baby back. Please. All right. <laughs> Go some more. <laughs> All right. They don't David's, seem to um, agree. David's ready to roll. I said please. How about that? Well, I know all this angst. Is, I know it's driving me nuts that Flo wants to tell the truth. And... Anthony, you had me laughing the other day on the messenger. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I says I want Flo to spill her guts, but you wanted her to do something else. But <laughs> first, <laughs> well, yeah, she got to get that in first, you know. I, I mean, because there ain't gonna be no chance afterwards. But I know. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm gonna say if they were working towards committing her. And that when the truth finally came out, she was up in the loony bin, so she couldn't have her baby back anyway. And a whole arc of a storyline like that, I wouldn't be feeling like, you know, they got us. It was powerful. Those first couple of weeks, I mean, I was on board. I was like, oh, yo, both is coming back, and it's fierce. And I'll even forgive you for destroying my Miss Sheila Carter. But now I'm back to, oh, my God, can you move along? Yeah, I let's move you along. Can she, can she say to herself, can... "Am I doing the right thing?" Oh, maybe I should tell. Maybe I shouldn't tell. Poor Hope, I feel so bad for her. Yet you're not gonna tell her where her child is. You know. I, know. I think. <laughs> say it. Say it. Can, can you? Can you guys get together and write a storyline and present it? Like just keep throwing it at them because you you guys come up with the best storylines. I'm not a writer, so. That is a, I wish I could. Input, I, you know, you can have input. Casey and Anthony and David, and you can have input. And 
get it rolling and, and send it to registered mail and make sure somebody gets it. Try this. Try this storyline. <laughs> now, Casey, oh, I know shall we tell Carolyn the news, though? Oh. Go ahead. There's Car- <laughs> we got news um, for Carolyn about B&B. What, okay. One Beverly Hills housewife is has joined B&B. Oh, um, do bum, I bum, know bum, who bum. it is? Do I Tiger know who blood. it is? Tiger blood. She's a child actress. God, I'd be horrible at trivia. <laughs> I remember her when she was a little girl in the movies. I remember when she was lip-locking with, was it Nev Campbell? Um... Yeah, when she did that that lesbian kiss. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Denise Richards. Denise Richards. Denise Richards. Joining the Bold oh, and the I Beautiful. I thought you said B. I thought you said B. I'm looking for a B. It's D. Okay. Oh, D. Really? She's going to be on Bold and Beautiful? And she going to be Flo yep. Mama. She going to be Flo <laughs> Mama. She's going to be Flo's mother. Can we mother. see Amber and Tawny Part 2? Amber and Tawny the reboot. <clears throat> did she, did yep. she just got married, right? Okay. Did she? Yeah. I'm sure she just got married. David? I Hello? don't know. I'm I'm not up yeah, to speed on everything you is, say. Her whole her life has turned around. That's well, cool. it, it had nowhere to go but up after Charlie Sheen, but, you know, that's a whole well. different show. <laughs> Casey, my friend, yeah. I know you're dying. I know you're dying to put some input here about what's going on out in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, you know me so well. So, look, I'm not having the same issues with Bold that you guys are, um, just because I think why so many people – Stop me if this isn't the same issue, but I feel like one of the top issues with this baby storyline with the fans is that they're used to instant gratification because, let's say, Bold finishes the story in two weeks. You know, they did it with the black (laughs) folk from London over here, and, you know, Nia so going, as Jillian Bo from Daytime Top of Digital says, you're stalking me. You know, they wrap that up in two weeks. They wrap Sheila up in a month. You know, seven minutes, Sasha. Yep. Yeah. So I feel like that's an issue a lot of people are having is that they feel the story is taking too long when we're only on month three. I mean, really, we're only like three months into this story. And let's face it, if this was Agnes Nixon telling the story, you know, damn good and well, it would take eight months to a year. And so yeah, oh, yeah. Be movement, my, yeah, Casey. She would have been followers. institutionalized at this point. They wouldn't be sitting in the same room <laughs> over and over again yeah. repeating the same four <laughs> sentences. Should I tell or shouldn't I tell? I feel so bad for hope. There would be movement. That's, Agnes knew how to craft, so craft detail around her main story that kept you sitting on the edge of your seat. Somebody was walking outside the door while uh, the father and, and, and the, the daughter were talking about whether it's right or wrong. Did they hear? Didn't they hear? You had to wait till Monday to find out that somebody called her from the other end of the floor. It was, you know, Florence to me from the Jeffersons going, Master Jefferson, Master Jefferson, and she missed hearing the, 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 the tea. And then a week later, somebody else almost got the tea. 
This has been the same the same four lines for two and a half, three weeks now, over and over and over again. I I love the day that Zoe got a hold of what was going on. Um, Yes. Yes. I need more of that. I need more people to find out because that's how you stretch a story along. Taylor. Um, Taylor would be the perfect person to find out now. That would really weird the story. I don't want big characters to figure out, you know, to stretch this out a bit longer, we need characters like Xander to find out, or, you know, you need little characters who you think are going to tell, but won't, because if we have Taylor find out now, then she's going to blow it yeah. next week. Honestly, I think that story should that's wrap what up. They said that Taylor would be the one to find out, but you you don't know what to believe. Yeah. Yeah, I well, I I, need I love my uh, my Twitter followers, and I go in and I read the comments, and they're really upset because they want Sheila, they want the the real Sheila, and yeah. they keep and saying, they, you know, they drop the ball. Yeah. What's the matter? Do you guys go in and read the comments, or make a comment, or just do do you retweet and whatever? I love the comments. And I'm going to say it, um, Heather Matson is not on contract at General Hospital, so offer her a sweet little couple-month deal to come and, and stir Sheila back up to the Sheila she once was. Yeah. And let's that's have a Sheila sugar. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Where is Sheila if she's not at El Giardino now? She's poisoning those. Well, I was going to say she's poisoning <laughs> that ice tea at El Giardino. That was a lot. Oh. <laughs> you know, she's probably placing them breadsticks with poison and everything. You know, that would be a good story. I would be like, like we talked about, to poison the iced tea and then, you know, do it with a laxative and the reverse revenge. Have Il Giardino, con- uh, con- um, what's that word, cater, uh, a nice runway show and have them all just having the squirts right there on the runway. <laughs> there. Oh God! <laughs> well, oh David brought David brought an interesting point to me right before we started the show. I think, in fact, yeah. I think it was you, David. Do, do we feel like they're about to kill Caroline? Caroline? Don't that was Candace. Candace brought that up. Because I'm definitely feeling that way. Um, Casey, take Candace it away, baby. brought that up. So um, I don't look. I know Candace brought that up. So I'm. They says that they said there's oh, a death ahead. in the foresters, but they're looking at the guys, and I says why. And I think it went something like this: It doesn't have to be a male forester. And I don't know. I think they're they're hinting around that it could be Carolyn. I think it would be an interesting way to go, for sure. Well, another bring Thomas way. back. I think yeah. it would be a bad idea to kill Caroline. <laughs> Honestly, I would or, be Casper. Um, because here's a, the bells are like I commented on a, a Twitter thing today. The bells already killed one popular Caroline off. They shouldn't kill another one. <laughs> so well, um, that's true. They should. Well, that is true. 
there was yeah, no I was much. Yeah, wa- I was wa- I was watching old um, YouTube's, and they don't have much on uh, the original Carol, Carol, Caroline. Has here's anyone followed popu- that? Here's how popular the original Caroline is. In foreign, in some foreign markets, the show used to be called Caroline, and I'm not. Oh, even really? Kidding. Yeah. Yeah, really? because. You know, everybody knows Catherine Kelly Lang as bold and beautiful's amazing leading lady. But for about right. the first about the first three to five years, it was Caroline. Caroline oh well, that's when I watched it. Yeah, Caroline and her dad and and Ridge and oh, but there's very you know, little on yeah. YouTube. I'm I'm really surprised. None of us know it. None of us. Joanna Johnson. Yeah, those were the days. Those were the those, those were the days that that was uh, that was great. The storyline. <laughs> yeah. awesome. Well, now boarding the red eye to Genoa City will be yes. the four co-hosts that are here this evening. Let's hop on. Let's hop on board. The flight attendant is passing out a cocktail, and we are about to land. And I think it was Candace who um, asked us to please mention for her, and I definitely want to be the one to mention it, A, because I'm hosting, and B, because I absolutely and 100% feel the same way. The court scenes felt like we were jurors. We felt like we were sitting in court, and it was the first time in, oh, my God, at least five to ten years' worth of soap that it was court worth watching on a soap. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Yes, amen. amen. Did uh, you like, did you like the outcome? Enough. Let me, can I get wait, an amen? Wait. Amen. Uh, amen. Were you, on t- amen. were you on target? Did you like the uh, outcome? Um, yes, I did. I was, I I was crushed. Did. I mean, I cried yesterday. Hearing those passion... The passion remarks from the family. Oh my God! Okay, that's that's a, that's TV. But when, um, when Nick I'm the kind of soap like, fan that likes, you know, as much as I like Phyllis, you know, kicking down the the church door right before they say I do. I love that. But I also <laughs> I also like soap that gives us that gives us that moment where we're like, oh no 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 no. It, you know, yeah. this is wrong. Because, yeah. quite frankly, in reality, <laughs> them ladies, them ladies would have gone through it. And three years for Sharon was a little like, no, it, it would have been at least five to ten. Um, but okay, I, I was thoroughly happy with the fact that it was a strong, precise verdict. Now, how they reintroduce JD and all that will tell me whether or not the payload of this moment was worth it, if that makes any sense. You guys know what I mean? Well, here's the thing. Yeah, you um, want to know if JT's outcome is going to equal the court scene. Yes, exactly, yes. That, Do we still you know, think I, he's in the wall? <laughs> oh, I think Victor has him stashed in a secret room somewhere. I think Victor has him stashed. Who? And I'm okay with this. What they need to do is reveal that it was a JT doppelganger because, or a brain tumor or something. Because when JT comes (laughs) back, I just want to forget this whole thing ever happened. This awful, terrible, 
storyline. Um, because I'm going to be honest. Not enough like execution. I, I, Dave, preach, girl. Preach. Preach, preach. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like we talked about with Dave, why did we do this storyline in three weeks? Um, because I remember watching an episode, the girls' night episode, with my mom when Victoria admitted she had been abused. Yeah. And my mom was like, well, this means nothing. This doesn't break my heart because the story was there. You know, mm. at that they had just gone to Hawaii. He disconnected the, the phones and he punched the wall. So what? Oh, and he tried to kill the dad. And so what? You know, that was it. There was, there should have been much more. And so the trial, to me, has been the best part of this storyline. Me too. Yes. yes. It's real Y&R. I was like, oh, my God, I'm watching The Young and the Restless. Like, this is my show right now. And it was great. Now, the only thing I had a problem with, and I know the rest of the people did too, is the rumor that Mal Young kind of pushed Eric Braden out of those episodes, which... Yeah, I, I, I saw like, something like that. Yeah, which... I feel like that kind of hurt the emotion on Nikki's character because, you know, Victor's her rock. Yeah. Victor and Nikki are each other's livelihood. They're each other's lives. And so by Victor not being there, that is about the only issue I had with the trial. Other than that, I was like, my damn, the young and the restless returned. I'll be damned. Yeah, let's yes. put and it then this according way. to Bergman, Twitter, Eric felt the same way. Yeah, Peter Bergman mm. really put it over, and he did put it over. But you know, it just wasn't the mustache. We needed the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> well, I died. I about died when Jack stood up and he said, "I know Victor wouldn't like me giving this <laughs> speech about me." I was like, "No, he would not, fool." But. And another thing is <laughs> when Nick got up there, I was like, oh, great, here we go. Nick is going to just ruin the fate of these ladies. Because i got to be honest, I did not like Nick going up there. You know, he was – you know, even Billy contained himself a little bit when speaking about mm-hmm. JT. But Nick there, and he was like – what he did to my sister. I was like, Nicholas, sit the hell down before this judge. <laughs> I was like, hey, Come on. This, can I know, try and Miguel, just bear with Miguel me? Bear with me. <laughs> how many Please, people Karen, are going Miguel? to prison? Yeah, how many people are going to prison? Three. 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 Nikki I thought I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, what is this going to yes. be? The orange is a new black? Three of the main characters About. are going to go to prison? <laughs> well, they're going to have a tea party with Lily, who's still there. Oh, oh they're fo- now there are four ladies going to be in prison. <laughs> no, Lily's going to check out here in about two months. Lily's like, bye, here's my old pal. <laughs> the only thing, the only thing that would I make that. actually showing them in prison worse is if they meet their doppelgangers, like what happened in Salem. If suddenly yeah. you, you, you meet, right. oh, you, you know... <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Anthony, yeah. Anthony, you know, 
somebody cut his mic. Anthony, you stop that right now. Don't you be wishing it. You know younger person. <laughs> <laughs> now, I said a JT doppelganger was okay. I did not mean for Heather Tom to show up and say, well, hello, Victoria. <laughs> I did not mean I did not mean for Erica Hope to show up and say, Melody, you ruined my career. And I did not mean for Monica Potter to track her out to, to Studio 25. Oh, <laughs> Monica Potter. Yes, yes, yes. She was the OG Sharon. Do you remember that, Monica Potter? I do. Yes, oh, I do. God, yes. <laughs> so stop that right now. Somebody cut his mic. <laughs> I mean, you know, so that was that was some really good soap. And so I'm going to also now steer it towards some really bad soap. <laughs> Kyle? I'll go. Kyle? Where are we going? Yeah, Summer, where are we going now? <laughs> Kyle Summer okay. and that whole majesty mess. Now you stop that right now. <laughs> Look, in this is the first time I have ever liked Summer and <laughs> y'all gonna hate me for this and the actress who plays her in the role um, Summer to me is a character I've always wanted to claw my eyes out with Summer is a character that fish um, Patty would have fed her more peanut butter um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm loving the character of Summer. This story is such a hot, soapy mess that I adore it. The wink link in this story for me is the character of Lola because I don't feel that Lola and Kyle's love was repaired enough yet from that stupid purse storyline yeah. to be against all odds couples, I would have spent about one more month trying to repair their bond a little bit. But otherwise, I'm loving the story. And Y&R has it made with this love triangle. And so I hope they repair the character of Lola a little bit more so we can enjoy this love triangle a little bit more. Because, like I said, first time ever, I am loving... Supergirl, Summer Newman. Okay, so here's my take on it. I love, I love who Summer has stepped up to be. I love that the the little byplay with Billy. That was phenomenal. Um, and I love the idea of Lola, who she could be in about four months, and they need mm-hmm. to build it very carefully. Having said that, um. They need to kind of back burner it for a little bit, let it simmer, and have some normalcy, you know, soap normalcy, not, you know, not like let's wash the dishes and make a salad and chop up cucumbers or anything, but a little bit of soap normalcy and let it simmer and let us really anchor our investment in it. Um, Having said that, I also want to throw in Bold and the Beautiful, if you could release Sheila Carter for just two weeks, have her come to Genoa City and take out (laughs) Mia. Just have her just just a bloodbath, a straight up bloodbath. <laughs> Push her over the cliff, then rock then rock climb down the cliff and and beat her with a fire poker, and then just to just just to add fuel to the fire, 
pour some lighter fluid on her and light her on fire. <laughs> I don't think Sheila. Poor Mia. I don't think. I don't think Sheila could get the time off from El Zaradito. You know, somebody's got to bake those breadsticks. <laughs> so I don't think. But you know, with Mia, I tweeted the story because you know Dougie Davidson is coming back. Um, you know, him leaving didn't impact the show in the first place, but he's coming back anyway. And so with him coming back, we need a meteor storyline. And honestly, as I mentioned on Twitter, Paul and Christine need to get away from that police station. It has ruined their characters. They were far more <laughs> sexier when Paul was the PI and Cricket was the law student um, uh-huh. and everything else. The good old days. The good old days, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I would have Paul retire from the police station, go ahead and give Ray the chief of police position, have Paul go be a PI again, have Cricket be mad because she's not sure Paul should be doing all that dangerous stuff at his age. That causes a rift in their marriage, just as they're fighting about that, revealed that Mia is Isabella Branya's daughter. And then, oh God! Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I know Anthony just got a hard on for that storyline. So, <laughs> I know what you're talking about too. Yeah, needs to be more meaty. Needs to be more meaty. And she's there. And then <laughs> she can be there to avenge Ricky's death because she was mad she never got to meet him. And yes. There you oh, go. Yes. God, I'm telling yes. you that you guys should be writing the scripts. You should be writing the scripts. <laughs> Thank you, Carolyn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. And that is to this Rosales mess. And I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the page one more time before we leave Genoa City, and I'm gonna ask, yeah. where is Kane's baby? Oh, I don't is, care is, about that. Oh, is, is, I, see, I, do, I do a little bit. I think that, I think he put her on, put that baby on a plane to Port Charles, and now that baby's up in Grandma Audrey's attic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Poor Sam. <laughs> that's the attic of no return. Um, that no, but that's my lead in to say that Kristoff is gone, and it's gonna it's gonna be a horrible a horrible hole in the canvas. And with it being so fractured right now, um, you know, there's no there's no continuity in that whole side of town, and I'm really feeling. Let down um, by the winter's side of town, um, well, and I really hope that Josh is paying attention and finds a beautiful way to pull that story back and pull that family back to to prominence. Oh, they're gonna yeah, they're gonna have to step it up. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. issue is is that again, after many months of not having it this way. Once again, the black folks are islanded. You know, once again, it's, you know, you get certain white characters in the story with black characters. So you get Mariah, you get Abby, um, 
you get Finn now. But that's it. Those Oh, and you get Kane. And those characters just stay on that island. And I've never understood for the past 15 years why the Young and the Restless has done that. Because those characters are so important to the show as a whole. And especially yeah. with Kristoff gone now, may he rest yeah. in peace. It's more important than ever to have those characters on. And especially with Crystal Khalil not on contract status with the show anymore. So we need Devon and Anna to mingle more. We need and to they, get these characters off of Black Genoa City Island and get them in the fold of those. You know, why is Devon not under Victor's wing like Neil was? Why is Devon, you know, not wanting to do a merger with Newman Enterprises and be just like his father was with Victor? Why is Anna not mixing it up with, you know, what happened to that whole Kyle, Anna, Finn type chemistry testing they were doing? Yeah. Where are these stories for this set of people? That we love and adore. So yeah, it's just it's a mystery to me. It's more of a mystery than why Carmine went crazy so much all those years ago. I mean, <laughs> oh, all yeah. right. I mean, well, just Island. Yeah. Well, we we've taken a train and we've taken the red eye. Why don't we start trusting ourselves <laughs> to Port Charles? And um and let's talk about that hot mess that is <laughs> General Hospital. Okay. Is General Hospital the boat? General Hospital. I got three <laughs> words. I nailed this one. Willow you did? was a member of DOD. She has yes, they did. showed they showed her tattoo today. Yes, yeah, you did. So what? <laughs> I'm so bored. <laughs> I also said about three weeks ago, I have a feeling that Shiloh is Willow Baby Daddy. Um, yeah, I have the same feeling. Yeah, so too predictable. Not laid out pretty, pretty. Not laid out um, in an interesting manner. Um, you know, it would have been, it would have been a little bit better played off. If actually, you know, somebody like Lulu caught her changing her shirt or whatever and saw it, or it just, it was a very flat, flat sort of reveal to that for that. Um, Isn't that hospital as a whole? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Does anyone on this call believe that Ryan Chamberlain is dead? Anyone? You gotta be, because if he's not for now anyway. If he's but not going to come to then just leave him dead. Because honestly, if it was not for Mara West, Jeannie Francis, uh, sorry, Steve Burton, you can pack your bags, you don't belong in the same bracket, and John Lindstrom, then the story would not have been any good. But it was. I got to be honest. It, it was boring, and there wasn't enough stakes, and... 
the only thing that saved it was Jeannie, Mara, and John. Yeah, absolutely. They should have killed Lulu. I'm sorry. I will say that till the end of time. I I they don't necessarily, amen. you know, I'm sorry. Say that again. I said, amen. You're totally right. Because yeah. that is what should have brought Dante back to town for Lulu's funeral. Um, and, you know, you get a special appearance by Mrs. Doubtfire, excuse me, Tony Geary. And, because, uh, <laughs> oh, Lord, he's there. I mean, that is mm-hmm. Tony Geary, one woman that has not aged well, honey. And Mm-mm. he looks like he looks like Erica Slazak because she never got a facelift. And so, you know, <laughs> you know. He's three steps away from being the living, breathing crypt keeper, but go ahead. Oh, yes, Huntsy. And so you do a beautiful funeral for Lulu. You get Dante back. You have a video thing shot with Tony Geary. There you go. Um, honestly. I will add one more name, though, to your list. I do think Roger Howarth brought it. Brought yes, he it. did. And, and yeah. look, I'm like in a whole lot more in 2019. I really am. You know, I've been liking Franco a little bit more because um, I haven't really liked him since he was with Carly. But, yeah, I'm liking Franco a little more. So definitely a lot of good acting and a lot of good Emmy reels being pieced together for next year. But otherwise, the story wasn't there. And, you know, they say if it ain't on the page, if they it ain't on the stage, but let me tell you, it's on the stage at General Hospital, but it still ain't on the page. Mm-hmm. I think, I think you know, the old saying about reading the names from the phone book, if they just put Laura West, um, Jeannie, John, and Franco, you know, for three days straight just reading names, you know, they could, they could make that full of <laughs> angst and drama and vulnerability and just pure psychoness and it'd be beautiful. And it'd be almost better to watch than the resolution of this storyline. And I was a big fan up until about Christmas time. It just really started to fall off off the charts for for Christmas. Um around Christmas time. They should have had him stalking Maxie. I, I I'm okay with okay, you looked at Felicia and you said, Oh, she granny. Okay, no. All right, I'm okay with that. I didn't agree with it, but I, I, I'll roll with it. But then he should have said, oh, look at this dance. Oh, somebody got to kill her. Let me do it. And, and been stalking Maxie. Lulu should have been dead. They should have well, killed off. They, they're getting rid of Griffin. He's going anyway. should have just shoved him off the damn roof two or three weeks early. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Here's the thing. Now, they, killing Griffin would have given more high stakes to Ava as well. Because Ava was so torn up that her relationship with Kiki wasn't in the right place when Kiki got got. And so that would have added more emotional stakes to Ava. Um, Another thing is, is honestly, I feel like this should have been a little bit reminiscent of the Salem Stalker storyline. Not, and hold on. Hold my beer because by that I do not mean killing characters like Bobby and Felicia and all that. What I mean by that is the body count. Because honestly, yeah. he hates to kill a good 20 characters. Um, <laughs> I'm Tiffany. I love Hope you laugh at me. 
<laughs> and let her but fight. I, let her mark him up because where did he go? What kind of Superman phone booth did that man get into every time he killed somebody and showed up 10 minutes later at the Metro Court? But go ahead. I cut you off and I yeah, apologize. I, not even Marlena made that run time after killing Aunt Maggie with that liquor bottle. It took uh-huh. her a good hour. It took her a whole day to get across town. Uh, it took her a whole episode to meet Caroline at the church to kill her. And so, you know, I a lot of this did not make sense to me. Um, thing, GH is doing good with not rushing story. It's just they're not playing the beats, which is really weird because taking a story slow and playing the beats kind of go hand in hand on a soap. But GH is just taking a story slow because they're writing it as they go along, it feels like. Honestly, their only saving graces on the writing team to me are Elizabeth Corte and Chris Van Etten. Chris, Shelly yep. needs to get got. Shelly needs to get got. And so does Frank... Valentini, okay? I am no yeah. longer here for Frank Frank's mess. I'm sorry, I'm just not. You know, get Julie Hannon Carruthers in there, get Gene Dodarco Burke in there, get somebody in there. I am done with people getting hired in the parking lot. I am <laughs> what? Hey. Just done with General Hoff. There must be the only screaming matches with Chris in that writing room because he's got to be tremendously frustrated. I know the story. He, I can feel it in my bone. And it's, you know, it's pretty impressive, if y'all know. I can feel it. it that is. He, there's a story yeah. that he wants to tell, and they're shooting him down in every direction. And then they're making up for the mistakes by opening up more. This is like Lost, circa 2000, what was it, 2009 or 10? This is like Lost, where there were so many storylines that are open and hanging that nobody can even remember how many storylines are out there right now. You know, um, because here's the thing. We know, Chris, every time there's something historical from GH's past, we know Chris Manhattan because Shelly Altman can't even spell doppelganger. So we know that Chris <laughs> is trying to show up. And this is very reminiscent to me about Margaret DePriest's time at Another World during the serial killer storyline because it's famous that Margaret DePriest did not want to kill off the people Jill Farenthelp suggested, you know, because originally it was going to be Donna who was going to get killed off on Another World, and then it was Paulina, and then Jill finally forced Margaret to kill Frankie. And so to me, Jill is the equivalent of Shelly and Frank and Margaret is Chris because they're twisting his arm to go along with their agenda and he's just trying to make the show better. I really think Chris is trying to do black backflips over there to get GH back to some form of good soap opera. I do too. I do too, and I think they're tying his hands at every that the screening matches that must go on in that writing room. I truly believe it. Um, they're tying Chris's yeah. hands. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I believe that Chris. I believe that Chris has has some some phenomenal storyline ideas that just keep getting shot down. 
or murked up so much that they're not even close to what his original what his original plot line you know storyboard was. Um, yeah, yeah, Make, you know. I'm sorry, I don't want. No, I was just going to say you see moments of it coming out, and then you're like, wait a minute, it, it disappears, and you're like, but that would have been awesome. What's going on? Yeah, totally agree. And you know, Chris needs to be the head writer. And Elizabeth needs to be moved up. She needs to be promoted past a continuity editor. And we need to get GH back to some form of its former self. Because let me tell you, honey, the Nielsen ratings, ooh, child, Lord, I never saw the day. I never could have dreamed the day where I saw GH getting a 1.67. Oh, jeez, I mean, don't tell me numbers. That makes me nervous. Well, here's the it thing. should. do better. That's the thing. Fans of GH will come when you write the story. Look at Ron. GH was sitting in the garbage at a 2.0 to 1.9 before Ron took over. And then all of yep. a sudden, a 2.3 one year later. Fans of GH will always come if you write the story. They're very much like Y&R fans. If you burn them, they're not coming back. But if you write the damn show like it's supposed to be written, they will come. You know, they had the perfect opportunity with this serial killer storyline. And we all said it months and months and months ago. There's only been one historic serial killing storyline that ever worked. And if you're going to do it, take a look at Corinth, go back in time, Pay attention and do it the right way. In the first couple of months of, you know, September, October, and November, there was, there was the possibility, the momentum. And if it wasn't John Lindstrom, it would have been horrible in September, October, November. The only reason it wasn't is because he was so good at playing creepy, duality. Um, you know, Mary Pat was a cute little gimmick. Peyton... Yeah. It was a, a blatant mistake, and not killing Lulu killed your storyline. They should have had him chasing her all over that damn off. I would have preferred it on Haunted Saw, but, you know, personally, but they should have had him chasing her all over that office, you know, and, you know, and had it bloody. And, and framing mm-hmm. Franco was also a brilliant way to pull in a brilliant, a, a brilliant um, actor. But wasting time with Griffin, they should have had that suspicion cast on Ava and had him scrambling to take the heat off of Ava because he was in love with her. When they, yeah. were, sitting in the, when they were sitting in the office and in come the ex-police commissioner, brother of Robert Scorpio, you, you, you know, bro, brother-in-law to Anna Devane, super spies, num- right. oh, and let me get started on Anna in about a minute and a half, okay? And Felicia, who in her own right was a little private detective and always, you know, right. always nosy enough like Maxie to get to the truth, even if it was backdoor, you know, truth. And, and they, that they didn't figure it out, and that when she was down in the parking lot with Ryan, he let her walk away. <laughs> the storyline that was dead, it didn't even get a burial. They don't just chucked it off the side of the Staten Island Ferry and said, see you later. Bye. It didn't even get a proper burial. That's how dead it was at that point. Now, let me so say he, about um, Anna, 
Anna Alex I have a question. this whole mess of we were complaining and complaining and complaining. Who was patients one through one through four? Um, because we didn't know that Drew was actually patient five, but you know most of us were saying one through five, but actually it was really one through four. I like the idea that they actually brought Anna in to be patient one and Alex patient two, or vice versa. Don't really matter which one is which. And Ryan and but then it's so dumb. It could have been so hot. It is so damn dumb. And anything that gives me more finola, I will always cheer and sing for. Except right now, I just don't care. I just don't, you don't care who the patients are. There was more <laughs> chemistry in that, that fake little, um, uh, where are they? In, in Dubai, Mumbai, one of them buys over there. There was more chemistry yeah. between Robert Scorpio and, um, and Sonny Corinthos, who also, like, Lord, forgive me, I love him, but give him a year vacation. Let him win a trip around the world and hand the mob over to somebody else for a year because I'm so tired of him and Carly, too. And for me to be seeing these things really means something. But there was more chemistry over in one of them buys, Mumbai, Dubai, whatever buy it is, and that cute little boy that came on, <laughs> then, then between Anna and, and, and a storyline that could be so hot. Okay, I'm done. Casey, take it away, baby. Oh, real Look, quick. I'm a... Real quick, one more oh, thing. Go. Go if this somehow turns out that Shallow is involved in this, Patient six and all that, I'm done. General Hospital, I've been with you for, I'm not going to say how many years. I'll just think since I'm three. Oh, Anybody no, look Anthony. up my real age and I'll shoot you, but I'm done. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so I'll make this quick because we're running out of time. But let me tell you, I must yes, be patient six thousand. I must be patient 6,374 because there are too many damn patients for me to keep track on this show. I mean, the story <laughs> to be, the story to me started out interesting, but now it's just getting on my nerves because here we go again. I, I bet $10 this was a Chris story. And Shelly probably grabbed that outline from him and changed a couple words and said, here you go, Frank. I've got a new story outline. And Chris was like, what the hell are you doing, Shelly? Let me tell you. <laughs> so I can see, like Anthony said, where you see flashes of Chris's storytelling. And if they would just let him write a full story, I bet he would do wonders with this story. Because it's such an interesting premise with the whole twin thing. It um, is. And, and here's the thing. I didn't know General Hospital had this many twins. You know, like I knew these characters existed, but now my head's hurting. Because there's <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, my God. I'm like, well, no wonder y'all got... Uh, cast members, it's because of all these damn twins. And so <laughs> anyway, I want to see where this story goes, but I swear on heaven, on earth, on Helena Cassadine's grave, if it turns out to be another one of these stupid eight-month plot lines from General Hospital, I may check out again too, because look, I took <laughs> breaks with you. I really do. My last break lasted five months. Don't test me, GH. Don't test me, girl. I'm telling you right now. And another thing, real quick, before we go to final thoughts, I got to talk about this Carly thing. Being oh, pregnant. Yes. That, well, is so, that is so stupid. Rachel Corey got pregnant on Another World. The show got canceled. Reva Shane yeah. got pregnant. <laughs> the show got canceled. Look, girl. 
Carly best do a jackknife down them quarter-main stairs again because I'm not here. <laughs> I'm not here for 47-year-old Laurel to crank out a replacement. It is sad that Morgan's dead. It is sad that he loved Penguin. But let me tell you, I don't need a replacement baby, and nor do we need another Carson baby. Now best be ready to push a bitch down some stairs because I'm not here for it. That's all I will say about that. Okay, guys, closing thoughts? I'm afraid well, to speak again because I'm so off on GH again. <laughs> I would like to once again thank Andrea Evans. For me personally, it was absolutely one of my bucket list items crossed off. Um, her documentary, Rocking the Couch, is not a must-see. It is a you better damn see that piece of work. Mm-hmm. And um, as for our shows, we'll be back in two Sorry. weeks, and I'm sure we'll be saying the same damn things, unfortunately. <laughs> yep, probably. Huh? Carolyn? Carolyn? Well, it's <clears throat> been a great show, um, but next time I don't think you guys should hold back. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Carolyn, Carolyn, you tried to Let get it all hang out. Quick. Yeah, let it, girl, let it, you guys let it all hang out <laughs> and get those scripts going. Casey? So, um, Carolyn, don't tell us we can let that loose, girl. You're going to get us in trouble on the Twitter. But anyway, um, <laughs> definitely, all joking aside, on a serious note, please go and watch Andrea's uh, documentary. Please. Like Anthony said, it is not a must-see. It is you better see, or else I'm going to push you down those stairs with Carly. Uh, it is very important, very timely, and it does shed a light on what has happened, not just in our culture right now, but what it's been like for decades. So please, That's right. please, That's I beg right. Please go on. Feedback. Leave them comments. Yes, and leave a Yes, watch and please right. leave a kind review on Amazon. David? Thank you, Andrea Evans, for coming on tonight. And I'd like to thank you three for joining me tonight. You were all wonderful. Anthony, thank you so much for taking the lead. Thoughts and prayers with Pam and Candace, who's stuck at work, but Pam, who's in the um, tornado zone, my whole mother nature yeah. is to you. Um, <laughs> See you guys in two weeks. See you in two weeks. Bye, guys. Have a great weekend. Good night, everybody. Night.